Hi, I'm Marielle Hemingway. As a mental health advocate and author, I love books. Books have the capacity to inspire, educate, transform, and ultimately help readers all over the world. So if you want to publish your book or if you need help writing your story, I highly recommend Mindstir Media, rated the number one best book publisher around the country. Mindstir Media can help you no matter where you are in the book writing or publishing process. Go to mindstermedia.com to learn more and schedule a consultation. This episode is brought to you by Mindstir Media and the Sunrise segment of the Outcomes of Sun podcast radio. And now, Out Comes the Sun with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Out Comes the Sun radio show with my co-host and best friend, Melissa Yamaguchi. Hello, baby. Uh, We are excited again to be here with you. And today we kind of really wanted to talk about something that has been pressing on both of our hearts and especially your heart because Mm -hmm. it's kind of really happening in your life. But we're talking about elder abuse. and I'm not talking about that we're being elderly abused, but we, yeah. Yeah, we are recognizing it in the world, in our own personal lives. And it is something that we need to pay attention to because it is a, a severe and very deeply disturbing problem in this country, in this world. We do not value our our elderly. And they are, you know, in every other custom in the world, every culture, every everything until this 20, 20th, 21st century, you know, the 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 elderly were our but that's where we got our stories, our that's wisdom. Our our, yeah. I mean, you talk about your mother being a resource for us all the time. Like yes. I, how many times a week do we where are we talking going i'm going down the beach you're doing her your walk in your neighborhood and you say my mother came up with this great idea right and we're not valuing those people and it's wrong i gotta tell you it just i want you to tell me uh what happened to your mom this week because i i can share i'll share what as much as i can um yeah i've got got my father-in-law and then i've got my mom and two different areas of concern that I have. My father-in-law has, it goes for uh, physical checkups, for doctor's appointments, for different meetings. And he's been shuffled around a couple of times and he's 87 years old. And I had one doctor um, say to me, uh, when I was asking, I was inquiring on what we were going to do to help him be better. He said to me, well, he is 87. As though to say, his life's almost over or just let it, you know, just make him comfortable. So it infuriated me. And he, he, when I, when I expressed stern concern, he looked at me as though, oh, great. I got to have to deal with this person, which frustrated me because I'm, I, I, you've got to have an advocate for someone who, who needs help. I have an older brother. I'm the youngest of three, two older brothers. The middle was born deaf. 
And I have always been Corey's advocate. We all have fought for Corey in my family to ensure that he had a fair shake. Um, his not his inability to hear shouldn't hinder him from doing other things in life. So I understand the role of advocacy. So I slip into it quite naturally. My mother, I'm quite capable, still works at the age of 85, goes to work every day, dresses to the nines as a lovely, wonderful spirit. My mom is a major influence in my life. And a major brain. I mean, oh, she's just a, so intelligent. So and intelligent. So and her stories are great. And so. well-read and and speaks as though she's talking to me from the cue cards of a 1920s Gloria Swanson silent film, and I'm reading the cue cards. <laughs> my mother speaks like, how dare you? Yeah. So my mom um, had something take place in her life that was a, a huge error made by a, a major company. So they, they made an error. They, took, they treated my mother's account as though it was uh, a, an account that had not paid its bills or had not taken care of something. And so they took action against my mother and my mother became so flustered, so rattled that she was momentarily not able to think clearly about how to move forward. Now that can happen to us at any age, but when my older brother and I were stepping in to take over to find out what had happened, the, 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 the comment that I received was, and you're speaking on her behalf, how, how uh, I, need, I need her to give you permission to speak to me. So I gave my mom the phone and the gentleman on the other end was just drilling my mother. Like, you know, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me this. And my mom could not speak quickly enough to satiate this man. He said, ma'am, if you can't answer these questions, I'm not speaking to anybody. And my mom said, well, hold on a minute. Uh, and I said in the background, mom, these are the numbers he's looking for. And he said, and whoever's coaching you in the background needs to stop. And my mom stood there looking at me and I could see that my mother was so flustered by this whole source of activity anyway. His berate me. He said, what's your birth date? She gives him her birth date. What's your social security? He goes, let's try this. Let's give an, let's give you an easy one. What's your social security number? No, he didn't. Yes. And because, yes, it was brutal. And as he's speaking, I can see my mother reciting her social security number but the word the words weren't coming out he said i'm i'm gonna have to hang up and she finally blurted out her social security number and he said all right good job now i can talk to the other person mariel it was with everything within my power to not lose my proverbial poop on this guy i tried my hardest to maintain decorum so that I could get the end result that I needed. Cause he could have easily hung up. We were, we'd already been on hold for 40 minutes to get to this person. He could have hung up and then all would have been lost. So I had to play the game and act as though nothing had happened while watching my mom out of the side of my eye, sit down on the, on the chair. And you could just see her questioning her, her worth questioning her value. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking <laughs> for me. I can't imagine she's, She's such an exquisite human that it is so wrong. It is such a travesty. I, I'm crying too. I mean, it, we're both it, is, it is a, it was a horrible thing to witness. And I thought, my God, um, when we overlooked, when we as a society overlook our sages, 
the, yeah. our wise elders who have gone, who have walked the path. My mom, God lovers, 85 years old. My dad's 88. He'll tell you if you call him, he'll, he'll pick up the phone and answer it and tell you <laughs> how old he is. Just a little sidebar. My dad answers the phone reciting his age. <laughs> we'll do a little play acting. Ring, 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 ring. Hello. This is Travis Chambers. I'm 88 years old today. In 24 months, I'll be in my ninth decade. I'm in my ninth decade. I'll be entering. My, he, he gives you a, <laughs> up to date right then on how old he is. He's very proud of it. So my mom, but listening, watching my mother, who has marched for other people's rights, who has been a, a stellar educator to this day, students reach out to her that she taught when she was in her early 30s. Um, she's made an impact on people's lives. And even if my mom had done nothing, but had no, never worked outside of the home, but raised her family and done a great job, whatever my mom has done, it doesn't matter. There doesn't need to be a, a list of criteria. She doesn't need to have a resume of, of uh, worth for people to treat her sweetly and kindly as a human. So when we can, when we don't, when we dismiss our elders, Yep. You know, there's that adage that in order to understand where you're going, you have to understand where you've been. Yeah. But where we've been are our elders. And when we as a society dismiss our elders, dismiss our impoverished, dismiss our handicapped, dismiss our people who have differences, what that speaks to who we are as humans is is a sad mark on humanity. So my quest is to highlight this like like you and i do you and i talk about this because this matters um not does not matter and and i think having awareness i mean we're not asking you to go out and you know do something but the doing is when you see somebody who's elderly when you do you know like maybe sit down and listen maybe maybe hear their story maybe be a little kinder when they're you know, slow crossing the street, maybe be a little kinder when they're driving on the right side of the road and going a little bit slower than you would like to go. Right. Remember that, you know, everybody's on their path and they are they they have been on this planet a lot longer. Yep. And they deserve your respect. And they with you and with your good with your good luck, you'll be at their age one day and you'll want you'll you'll yeah. want someone to treat you as kindly. And if they repeat themselves, allow them to allow them to. It's fine. I, I found myself in the beginning candidly and vulnerably sharing here that I would get frustrated when my mom would repeat herself. I said, Mom, you just told me that story. And I would think what? And then I realized she's not telling me this because she's trying to irritate me or she's just flippantly forgetting something. She's repeating it because she may have forgotten that she said it earlier and that's okay my dad on the other hand i said dad you told me i you, i told you told me this story earlier he said i know i by god told you that it's good the first time you're going to hear it the second and the third and fourth if i if i want to share it i don't care how many times i've told you so whatever is happening yeah. by by exerting this kindness from you it comes back to you and we have to just share kindness with our elders that are fortunate enough to be here and that from whom we can learn absolutely well, thank you so much for that. And don't go away because next we have an incredible guest. We really do. We, she's very, she's a lovely, lovely girl. And I think you're going to love uh, hearing from her. So come right back to Outcomes the Sun with Marielle Hemingway, myself, and my partner, Melissa Yamaguchi. <music>
Santa Barbara. You're listening to The Morning Show with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi, that'd be me, right here on KZSB 96.9 FM and 1290 AM in Santa Barbara. Hi, it's Kevin Nealon. I have a new book out now called I Exaggerate My Brushes with Fame. It's a collection of my caricatures and accompanying anecdotes. Also, if that's not enough for you, I have a little hiking show on YouTube. It's a web series. It's called Hiking with Kevin. But more importantly, right now, you're listening and watching Out Comes the Sun with Muriel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Enjoy. Welcome back to Outcomes the Sun. And we have such an amazing guest. Her name is London Souza. And I've had the great pleasure of uh, being in the same room with her, listening to her share some of her wisdom about NLP. She's a master NLP practitioner. She's a life coach, a life coach and a podcast host. Uh, she is really quite incredible and was very helpful to me because we have a project that we're doing on something called NABA, which is a lifestyle kind of platform and they're creating classes. And she was super helpful to me, who is not technology like strong. So anyway, but I want to tell you a little bit about London because it, it's actually an incredibly poignant story. She has worked in the fitness and health industry for over 15 years. She's very young. So, wow. Um, 17 years ago, she found her, herself really struggling. She was a full-time college student, part-time personal trainer, working various other jobs. She was working literally seven days a week. I'm sure you, many of you have heard this story and felt this story. London, like most of us, was stuck in this more is more mentality and, you know, more workouts, more rigid, more rigid uh, diets, more. Wow, I do know that more meal prepping, more hours working, more hustle, more clients, more perfection, just more, more, more everything. And, you know, she was exhausted. So I can totally relate to that, to the way she was living her life, just like constantly trying to outdo herself like perfection. So she decided she needed to change. So she moved abroad to Austria, which I think is super cool. And she started working at Runtastic, thinking something new would give her a new perspective. And yet she found herself once again, stuck in this more is more spiral. Um, even though she was in Austria, <laughs> she was working a ton of hours, taking on too many roles, saying yes to everything. And she wasn't she you know, she realized this wasn't working and and she was either feeling guilty or sleeping because she was so tired. So despite changing her physical location, it didn't change her mentality. Uh, I can so relate. So uh, she changed her path. And now we get to find out how she changed her path and what she's doing now to create a life of energy and excitement and moving forward. So welcome our very special guest, London Sousa. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Marielle Melissa. So happy to be here. Oh, it's so fun to have you. <laughs> 
Those so, who are listening are going to need to tap over to the visual at some point and see London's got the most amazing smile. It kind of just lights up the whole room. You got to check that out. <laughs> Thanks. And we I did know. a little teeth check before we, we went live. So <laughs> I'm glad we all have the smiles and nothing in our teeth. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I guess we'll just dive into kind of your journey. So you 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 were stuck again. There you were in Austria. And even though it was amazing, it was also you were stuck in Austria during the pandemic. So that was something, too. You're in a country, you know, far away and you weren't happy. You had a lot of anxiety. You had lost your way. You had lost your passion. So what happened next to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you read that because that's kind of in my mind. I have this visual of like this Rolodex of just like a, a whole movie wheel just went through of everything that you just described. And I'm a little bit sweaty, not because I'm nervous, but because that was like so profound in my life. And I think what I can really say is until I realized that I didn't have to, I was living a life of I'm supposed to X, Y, or Z, right? And I think the way that I grew up in a very, uh, yeah, strict Italian family, work is your worth, more is more, do more, you know, that's where I found myself. Um, I started, you know, working out in my, in personal training when I was like 17, 18, had moved away to college. And it was really like anytime I felt anything, the answer was do more. So if I was like excited or motivated, let's go. If I was sad, you know, feeling a little bit depressed or down or needed recovery time, that wasn't okay. You need to do more. And I remember one time being so excited to tell my grandpa in college, going to school full time, um, I'm working seven days a week. Like that was a badge of honor for me to be like, I'm in school full time, getting good grades and I am, um, you know, working seven days a week and doing all those things. And so I think sometimes environmental changes do help. I think that sometimes switching our environment, even if it's like the way that things are arranged in our homes or maybe where we might live can be helpful as long as there's awareness that we're using this shift in environment to mean something. But I just found myself like in that fight, flight or freeze. I was very much like the flight person. It's like do more and, you know, go somewhere else and do something different and that'll change everything, you know? So I think when I was living in Austria, it was a really good opportunity for me to utilize a lot of my gifts. I'm very grateful for a lot of the responsibility and roles that I played in that startup that I was working for that you mentioned Runtastic. But at the same time, there was a lot of old programming that was weighing me down. And I remember living in Austria. Um, it was a startup. So we really grew at a rapid pace. And I was the face of the company. And I remember um, the first time we had um, what was called, we called it the big shoot. So we were a startup, you know, kind of doing everything with our phones, whatever, um, you know, some equipment we could have, but we finally had grown to a, a space where, you know, we had the budget and we went to Paris and Barcelona and Munich. So we did three countries in in six days. And I just remember being there and I had grabbed this book by Brendan Burchard called High Performance Habits. And I just like dove into this book. And I remember like getting my makeup done and getting my hair done in between sets, like glued to this book. And what that book taught me was something I had never seen like 
manifest in the people that I was around, which is that you can be successful. You can, you know, have all the things and still be happy and have positive relationships and not feel like you're doing the most. And I had never seen that before. I saw people who worked all the time, you know, and if you weren't working, you were lazy. And if you, you know, all these things. So I just really think I found myself in that moment, like questioning all of my programming, you know, like just being like, (laughs) why do I believe that I have to do that? Why does work equal my worth? Why does, you know, being success and have money mean that I have to work my life away and not treat people well? Or why does money mean that you control others? Like I just had seen all these different like, you know, it was almost as if like strings were connecting each one of them. And I was just like snipping them one by one. And so working in the fitness and wellness space for for many years, I realized that a lot of people are trying to fix the inside by working on the outside. It's like, if I can just get like my abs tight and this jiggly part off my arm away, then I'll be happy. And then, you know, the rainbow will come and all my dreams will come true. And I realized that's not the case, right? I mean, I think, you know, Mary Elf, when you're reading my intro and I, and I just from knowing it was like, yeah, there's, you know, it's just like you think you can fix one thing and it's going to fix the other thing when it comes to our physical stuff. And then and then that led to, you know, that knowledge that like, OK, once we realize that we can't fix the inside by working on the outside. Right. And we have this transformation in our lives. I struggled with and then I also was working with people who struggled with communicating that to the outside world. And how do you hold boundaries to the person you know you are and who you want to be? And how do you express that to people that you love in a way that's honest and respectful, right? And I failed time and time and time again, being like, this is who I am, you know, I'm not who I am anymore. Stop it, you know? And I just found myself like, okay. And at that point in my life, I was like, okay, like, you know, whatever. I, I I look great. I have no complaints about my physical body, but like my physical body in the real world is like showing up like, you know, not the way that I want to very aggressive, very like non connecting. And so that's why I dove into the world of NLP and communication and life coaching. Cause I was like, okay, it's great that your body looks a certain way, London. And that people are like, Oh, I like your shoulders. And like, you know, like Melissa, you know, great smile or certain things, but like, what do you actually feel like? And then what are people actually feeling like when they're around you? And then I wanted to help others do that too, because, you know, being in that fitness space, you see a lot of people who look good, but like do not feel good and who look at themselves and look at the world, you know, with all these, like I was these supposed to's, or I should be a certain way. And so, yeah, that just really, um, is kind of how it went. It went from like, you know, fitness to, okay, now I feel good and I feel good in this body, but then it wasn't showing up in the world in the way that I knew I could. Right. And especially with family and relationships and all these repeated patterns and recurrent obstacles and all these, you know, loops that we can hopefully identify in our lives and have awareness of that was like the most profound ever. And I was just like, I want to figure out a way to talk the talk and walk the walk and have it be super congruent with who I know London is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> it's overwhelming. I mean, it's overwhelming in such a good way because I really think that you did find things. What were some of the 
what what would you say is kind of the one of the basic things that you did first that kind of helped you get out of that fight or flight, not just reading a book because we can all read a book, but it's like, what was the action that you took that helped you to make those steps towards your, towards your peace and happiness? Um, one of the steps was to leave my job at that Austrian startup that I was working at. Um, I had been there for eight years, loved it, didn't really have a reason to leave other than I just had this feeling inside that it was time, you know, and my mom will often tell me, London, if you're feeling froggy, it's time to jump. And so I think that the big step that I made was just like trusting in who I knew I was becoming. And even though it was scary and I was nervous and I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out, I kind of left at the peak of my career, if you will, like the company had gotten bought by Adidas. Like I had hosted workout events in like 13 different countries. Thousands of people would come for these live work workout parties. And I stepped away thinking I was going to leave it all. But the cool thing was, is that I actually didn't have to leave it all. So up until COVID, they were still like, okay, even though you're not going to work for the company, do you still want to do these workout events? Do you still want to? So it was a confirmation to me of like, okay, I don't have to do everything. I can be in my area genius. And, but people are not going to recognize that for me until I recognize it for myself. They weren't going to be like, Hey, London, we feel like you're doing a lot. You should probably step away from this and only do what you're really passionate about. Like nobody does that for you. We have to do that for ourselves. And so I think that was a really big leap moment for me because I was like, Oh, you know, not only do I see what I know I'm good at, but by me speaking that and taking that next step, I actually had a really great opportunity to kind of have the best of both worlds, to have my cake and eat it too, if you will. And up yeah. until COVID, that's really like kind of how it was. And so I think um, taking that leap when we're uncertain, taking that leap when not all the ducks are in a row and not all the things are in line, I think that's probably what was my greatest thing. And I know that sounds really scary and it probably is bringing up feelings of, you know, whatever my, you know, anyone listening might be feeling, but I really think that that was the big step is like taking the leap in uncertainty, taking the leap, knowing that I believed in my capabilities to figure it out, yeah. but I didn't have to know it all right in that moment. All I had to know is like, this is not congruent with me. So I need to take that one little baby step or in my case, it was kind of a big step, but in the grand scheme of things, it was pretty baby, but like a little step in the direction of where I want to go instead of just kind of in that analysis paralysis, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm listening to you speak and I'm thinking about the, all the phases that you were going through from from the pressure that you had on you at 17 and 18 becoming a personal trainer and not to mention the fact that you were in college so when you were in 17 and 18 as a trainer you were studying for SATs ACTs you were keeping your GPA up you were worried about your entrance resume into the college arena then you're in college working all these hours and I'm I'm there with you so I'm breaking out in a sweat a little bit because I'm realizing all this stuff that you're going through and I'm society places so much pressure on us to keep up to do more and as you talked about the more and more my question for you is that pressure doesn't stop so once once someone becomes um, for the sake of keeping the 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 identity the same here a, a, a young wife a young mother or an older wife an older mother whatever it is they become a then you become a parent and then there's pressure on you for not only the pressure that you have for you but also to maintain your child 
and to maintain your home and to maintain your lifestyle. And it doesn't stop from womb to tomb. It does not stop. So my question for you is, what tools can you share with our audience? And for me, quite frankly, I've got a pen ready. I'd like them also. What tools <laughs> do for, for releasing that pressure aside from that, that scary step? But once you've made the step to change, the, pre- the vices keep squeezing. So what are some mantras or tools you have, London? I'd love to know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I'll also say too, I'm not married. I don't have kids. And I always take my hat off to parents. I work with a lot of parents and grandparents. And sometimes I even ask myself, like, why me? Like, why am I attract, you know, and I, but I own kind of that uh, purpose, if you will. Um, I think it all, one major thing to look at is like, what do you think? What was the word that you used? You said, um, wasn't resistance. You said pressure. I think that we have to look at our internal representation of what pressure is, right? If we think that pressure is hard and that it requires, you know, relentless hours and it means and looks and feels like this, well, then we're going to have that. But if we decide that pressure is motivating or pressure is, you know, um, you know, what helps us focus and stay present and kind of get things done, um, then I think we have to really work to shift that internal representation of what we think pressure means. I remember working with a client where she didn't want to be stressed and she just kept saying, I'm stressed, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. And I'm like, well, do you want to be stressed? And she's like, well, no, who wants to be stressed? And I'm like, well, what do you want to feel? And she was kind of, you know, triggered or annoyed and, you know, went away, whatever. She comes back and she goes, I got a better word. She's like, I was at a colonics appointment and the lady that was doing my colonics said, I'm not stressed, I'm challenged. And I was like, okay, how does challenge for you feel? And she's like, oh, that feels good because I like going after challenges. I know that I can perform in a situation where I am challenged. So I think to give a takeaway, it's kind of like you have to ask yourself what it means if you are that. And do you want to be that? If not, what do you want to be? And what does that look like? And I think um, I saw, I know somebody, people are listening, but some are watching. And Melissa, I saw your body language just kind of like, and kind of it resonated, right? It has to feel mm-hmm. congruent. I can't tell you, hey, Melissa, just don't feel stressed or don't feel, you know, this pressure because right. like that's not, you know, and I think people get that misconception a lot about life coaches that like like life coaches give advice. I think I'm just really good at asking questions about what people make it mean and how they want to feel and what that looks like. There has to be the congruence between like the thought, the feeling and the action. And so um, that would be definitely one of them. The other thing I think is really important is core values. I don't think people know what they stand for. So they get pulled in every direction by everything. And it's like, I find that core values are the rules to your game so that you can win. Core values help you decide how you're going to show up, how you're not going to show up, and when it's time to set boundaries. And I think that oftentimes with the parents that I work with, they end up in this go, 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 do all the things. They know exactly what they don't want to feel. I don't want to be stressed. I don't want to have to do the dishes. I don't want to have to do all the things. But they don't take the time until they do to sit down and be like, okay, well, how do I want to feel? And that's why I love core values. I always do that with my clients. It's kind of like their own version of their commandments. It's just like, Mm -hmm. and it's really cool when we do this because even though you create it for yourself, and I've seen this for myself and with my clients, there's this adherence to their core values. It's like, it becomes something that means something to them that they can't help but not follow. 
And it's crazy because they implemented it. And most of the time, especially in fitness, it's right. I want someone to tell me what to do and tell me how to feel and just tell me the right diet and tell me the right workouts and I'll just do it. But people don't do that. They have to create what works for them. And so I like to hold that container to be like, okay, cool. How do you want to feel? And like, let's get really real about it, right? We'll spend a couple hours getting congruent in their core values. And then I always say, you know, make them with your partner, make them in your family. Like, what do you guys stand for? How do you guys know when it's time to, you know, take when it's time to be in the driver's seat or the passenger seat or when we need to um, kind of fill in the roles and fill in the gaps for the people that we love? And so I think that core values is really helpful, too, because it helps us decide, OK, how do I want to be? How do I want to show up? How can I recognize it? I say, how can you spot the knot? Right. We can like yeah. when we have our core values, it's like, how can you really quickly spot? That's not in alignment with my core values. I need to take a hard left. I need to say a hard pass. I need to say no to this. Right. And mm -hmm. that takes practice. Right. We have to take our core values out into the real world, which is what I personally struggled with. I'm like, how do I be this in the real world? I know. But I didn't know until I sat down and I said, no, you know, I have core values of honesty, of magnetic faith of, um, you know, just like a lot of, you know, my personal core values to bring them to life so that I knew what that looked like. If not, we're just running around doing everything and nothing, waiting for someone to like tell us what to do and how to feel. And it just becomes like this whirlwind, you know? So like I said, the reframe of the words and then core values, I feel like are really powerful. I have a quick interjection, if I may also. I yeah. to add to that because I'm, you, your foundation has been strong. It sounds as though when I'm listening, you're working out at a young age already. So this puts you in a good mental, healthy, physical state, even mm -hmm. though you had an emotional things that you were struggling with until you identified them. You had a good foundation, it sounds like with family. You had, I mean, a mom who says, if you feel froggy and leap is a woman in my book. So she's, this is a good mom. <laughs> you, had, you had good foundational background. You had people in your corner. And I'm sure you have worked with clientele who have started with less than who have come into with a shakier foundation, less of a sense of who they are, understanding core values. I know you have to work with them and pull that out. And so my, my takeaway from what you're saying is I, I think oftentimes what people will do is they look at a life coach, they look at someone who, from whom they could learn and they think, well, everything's perfect over here. She won't understand me. And I, what you're saying is so translatable across the board from whatever background, financial background, emotional background, background of an addiction, background of pain people are coming from. This is translatable for all of their lives. And so I, I want our audience to really to not get wrapped up in the fact that, yes, I, I was joking in the front and said, get on and look at London's beautiful smile. Yes, your physical presence is is wonderful, but I want them to know that the value that you're bringing can be translated to every economical, every position in life. It's so important. Yeah. Um, I did luck out in the parents department. I definitely did. I have great parents. My dad was a coach. He raised me like a coach. And I'm realizing that now where it was like, yeah, just get back in the game. No whining. Let's go. So that was part of my programming. I'll also share too. Um, I had this idea of what family was, and I thought that family was a sturdy ground. And when I was, it was probably like seven or eight years ago, I was dating somebody that my grandpa didn't approve of um, because he had tattoos. My grandpa doesn't like tattoos. 
he ripped me from the family. I wasn't invited to go to certain activities. Um, he called my mom and wanted to, you know, take her out of the will and do all these things because of my decision. So I know what it feels like to have what I think is a fa stable foundation ripped out from under me. And that was a huge breaking moment for me because I was like, oh my gosh, everything that I thought was my support system that I could lean on actually wasn't. And all the family members, even though they didn't agree, let's say with him, nobody was speaking up for me. You know, I came all the way from Austria to go to my cousin's twins birthday party and my grandpa threw a fit and I couldn't go to the party. Like what? And no one said, what do you mean you can't go to the party? Grandpa, you can't come. London flew in from Austria for the twins birthday party. What do you mean? So, no, yeah, and, I know it. Isn't, yeah. That, isn't that a testimony to the fact that your direction and your path in life has to come from you? Yes, right? exactly. So you, I thought your basics, just like you said, your core values. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it just no. striking me because we we talk about Melissa and I, you know, think about what you want not what you don't want and you know and how you your focus in life has to be and, and you have to listen to that voice that internal voice but you also have to recognize what that voice is and sometimes we're so clouded by the traumas the this the that the past the history whatever it is that we don't hear that voice so it's about so your coaching i think must be really effective in helping people recognize their own inner voice yeah yeah and i think too you know what feels like ripped out the what like the rug ripped out from under me for me can look and feel different for everybody right so i'm sure that if we looked on a scale of better or worse or whatever but i i shared that story i don't think i've ever shared it in that capacity but i feel safe here to do that because yeah i did think that one thing was one way and then realized no and then i had to rebuild that yeah from within without the sturdy family structure that i thought that i had and all these things and yes well, I did feel like I lucked out in the parents department. Um, there was a lot of things that just like tipped over like toothpicks, you know, and I think too, that common ground is really the empathy. No, I don't know. Even if somebody else's grandpa did the exact same thing to them, I don't know what that's like because they're different than me. Right. So it's not my job to say, I know what's best for you, but I'm relentless in the pursuit of being a really good life coach and NLP practitioner. And I like to listen and I like to ask questions because I believe that I don't have the answers that you already have the answers in you. It's just that we've been in our own programming and going down yes. our own autopilots that until someone sits down and asks us different questions. I was just on a call with a person right before this having a session who had gone through PTSD from the military. I'll never know that. Had a near-death experience. Right. I'll never know that. Has a, has a kid. I don't want to have kids, so I'll never know that, right? And she told me after this, oh my gosh, this is the most profound session I've ever had in my life. I have to work with you. And she's been in therapy and all these different things. Not because I know what it's like to be in the military or know those things. I just know right. what it's like to to listen and I know what what questions to ask to help you realize it for yourself. Well, you're guiding people to their best selves and regardless of where what their background is, whether they have tattoos or not, whether they're in the military, have children, whatever their background is, you're guiding them to their best self. And I think that's one of the best jobs you can have. Hats off. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. you're you're an ex you're such an incredible person. It's so it's so fun to talk to you because those are the the kind of you share some very um, 
you share some core values that Melissa and I kind of talk about and think about in our own lives, being best friends, being mothers, being whatever it is. But I love that. Yeah, I don't have those experiences in my life, but I'm here to listen. And just for me, when somebody says they can listen and I can tell that you can because I've spent time with you, you are a listener and you do. But you listen with your whole heart. Right. You're open. Like you, you don't know what the direction is to go, but you listen wholeheartedly so that you can help them find that direction. Because, you, you know, you did it very subtly with me a couple of times when we were in Denver doing something together. So I, I just we're we're just honored to have you like literally your your words are so poignant and so helpful. I hope that everybody listening just tries to connect with you and we will give all the ways that you can connect with you so that they can really like, you know, you should have you as a life coach. I'm don't I'm try. Like, do it. Do it. <laughs> audience. Do it. Do it. <laughs> just sign up. Thank you so much, London. We uh, we we love you. Please come back. But you're a friend, so you will. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I love what you guys do in the world. I'm honored to be in the space with you. And yeah, thank you so much. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Awesome. And stay there because next we're going to have a tip from my co-host and best friend, Melissa Yamaguchi on energy. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to The Morning Show with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi right here on KZSB 96.9 FM and 1290 AM in Santa Barbara. For your free self-love and sweat monthly mindset calendar, go to lifelikelondon.com slash calendar. It's the little consistent things that you do daily and weekly that make the biggest difference. Let's do it together. Learn more. Go to London's website, lifelikelondon.com. That's L-I-F-E-L-I-K-E-L-U-N-D-E-N.com. And follow her on Instagram at lifelikelondon. Hey, this is London Souza, Master NLP and Life Coach. And I'm the host of Self Love and Sweat the Podcast, the place where you get inspired to live your life unapologetically, embrace your perfect imperfections, break down barriers, and set your soul on fire. And I would love if you checked out the podcast. It's available everywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called Self Love and Sweat. And you are listening to Out Comes the Sun with Marielle Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. And next, Energy with Melissa Yamaguchi. listening to Out Comes the Sun. Thank you so much for coming back. I'm Melissa Yamaguchi, and I'm here as a co-host with my friend, Mariel y- Hemingway. <laughs> I got some, I got an issue there. Okay. So I, you know, that was such a great conversation with London. I'm so happy that she shared with us. And, 
she she left a, a line on there that kind of slid in and you got to know mariel it, i was chewing on the side of my tongue and should not comment she said that a client of hers had gone to get a colonic I and came up with a good idea i know this I, is section but boy i heard the same thing yeah so all i kept thinking was when in doubt flush it out when in doubt flush it out oh good luck okay here's to colonics all right so my tip for you today in feng shui is this you've got to take stock and inventory of your clothing in your closets every closet in the house from the entry closet to whatever if you store things in the garage to the children's closets or if you live alone and it's just your closet you have to take stock we not only as a society do we have excess and london was talking about more is more and this constant pressure of us to have more and more and more it's also collecting more and more and what this does when your closets are weighted down with clothing and items you no longer wear or use your purses your belts your jewelry whatever you store in your closet unless it's a collector's item like you're collecting really great watches or something if you have items in your closet that are weighing you down it literally energetically leaves you no room for growth i'm not talking about larger sizes of clothing i'm talking about it leaves you no room for any form of expansion if the closets are stuffed to the guilt i can't tell you how many times i've gone to clients homes walked into their closets there'll be price tags still hanging on clothing um the plastic bags from a dry cleaner still hanging over them first of all get that out of the house and don't even take the plastic uh, dry cleaner bags into your home if you can please but they've got this stuff all in their closet and there's no rhyme or reason to the storage units. And I, I am not, you know, the, the container store organizer for the closet, but I can, I, so I, I can do that. But when I walk in, the first thing we do is identify what is it you don't, you like and don't like about your closet. How many of these items I'll randomly grab something. When's the last time you wore this? Right. So what I know is that when they take everything out of the closet and that's that Marie Kondo format format too, but it's very feng shui also. When you take everything out and you take full stock of what you have, Marie Kondo goes a step further and says, let the items speak to you. My, I oftentimes am working with clientele who are wanting me to move quicker. So, and I, and I admire Marie Kondo's methods, I do. However, you can, you know what you've not worn. I've seen different techniques. I think there was something spilling around on TikTok at one point. The gal said, every time she wears an item, she hangs, puts it back in the closet, hangs it backwards. So that at the end of the year, all the items that are still hanging forward, she realizes she hasn't worn them in a year and she then makes a decision on whether or not to get rid of them. That's a cool tip. But honesty is required. <laughs> we will hold on to things because it looked really good on us, you know, back in, do you remember? <laughs> so we, we put on, we hold on to old clothing, but you've got to take stock of your inventory. You've got to remove things that you're not wearing. There are people out there who could benefit from what you no longer are utilizing in your life. And it gives you room to breathe and grow yourself. And that's my tip. Now, listen, don't go anywhere. Don't shut this off and go get a colonic. Come back. Listen to Marielle. Marielle Hemingway is going to give you great advice on health. Come back next. Out comes the sun.
Hello, wonderful humans out there. I am Roy Zatiski from MyWildlife.com, and you are listening to Out Comes the Sun with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Hey, everyone. You're listening to The Morning Show with Mariel Hemingway, me, and Melissa Yamaguchi. That'd be me. <laughs> right here on KZSB 96.9 FM and 1290 AM in Santa Barbara. And now, Mariel Hemingway with Balance. Welcome back, everyone. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you didn't go get a colonic and you're back with us now. So exciting. I have a tip for you, and it's very similar to kind of what Melissa was talking about in her tip about like go through your old stuff and get rid of things you don't need that don't serve you because it does weigh heavily. And I, I really want you to start thinking about my tip is really more about being conscious of the thoughts that don't serve you, right? We have so many thoughts, and I think we've discussed this before. Uh, we have so many thoughts. We talked about this with John Sonny, and we'll probably talk about it with him again. But, you know, we have these thoughts, and probably for most people, 80 to 90,000 of them, you're going to rethink again tomorrow. So, this repeating of thoughts and with thoughts, and I've talked about this before, but with the, the more you think a thought, it becomes a belief. So it, my tip is really about become aware and conscious of your thoughts. The thoughts that are negative, the ones that are weighing you down. Um, I was on my walk this morning and um you know, it was beautiful. It was a sunny day and it wasn't supposed to be sunny. So I was so grateful. And then I found myself, I had a moment where I, I was thinking about something and somebody came past me and their dog, whatever. And Melissa will understand this. I, their dog came close to my dog and I was like I ran over and I said, I'm sorry. I'm so, oh, I'm so sorry. Right. That, that sounds innocuous, but I have a, I have an issue with apologizing. Right. And I apologize a lot uh, for other people's actions, my own actions that I shouldn't apologize for. It's, it's a habit that I want to change. And so in my meditations, I say, you know, those, the, the here's a thought that I don't want to, think anymore and, a, and a, a behavior that I don't want to behave like anymore. And I don't want to apologize all the time. I don't want to apologize for myself. I don't want to apologize all the time because it's like saying, I'm sorry, I'm here, you know, make me small. And, and if you don't know me, I come from a family where a lot of my life I, I felt invisible. So I apologized a lot as a child and gosh, you know, here I am in my sixth decade, still some sometimes it's not as bad as it used to be, but I'm still sometimes apologizing for myself. I'm apologizing for taking up space in the world or something. And that's a childhood. That's that's not my story anymore. Right. That's not who I am. I don't need to do that. So 
I just invite you to first become aware of those thoughts that really don't serve you. And then as you become aware of them, it's like it's like this trigger. It's like and a little light goes off in your brain and then you can say, oh, I can redo this. I don't need to do that anymore. Right. Uh, and, And it's not about, oh, shaming yourself for doing it. It's just about the awareness will then make it easier each time you, you know, quote unquote, apologize for yourself, as I would do and say, oh, I don't, I don't need to do that. I'm going to keep my keep my mouth closed. And in my meditation, I often will see my behavior is that I just stay still and quiet instead of saying I'm sorry. Right. I imagine that in my head so that I can manifest that throughout the day. So my my tip is. Be aware, stay aware of how you're thinking because your thoughts, your thoughts become beliefs and your beliefs make you can change your life. So you can change those thoughts and you get to have the life that you want to lead by by the choices that you make and the thoughts that you think. So that's that's it. That's all I have for you today. And this was a great show. What an interesting and uh, I don't know. I cool. Didn't it feel full? really full. It feels really, and it feels like, yeah, yeah. I feel satisfied. (laughs) Big 12 course meal, big 12 course meal. No, thank you. We don't have room for dessert. (laughs) No, exactly. Everybody. Thank you so much for listening to us, listening to outcomes, the sun and to Melissa Yamaguchi, my incredible co-host and myself, Marielle Hemingway. I want to shout out to our executive producer, Jeremiah Higgins, our other producer, Slater, Slater Smith. (laughs) Whoa, Slater Smith and Richard Dugan, Dr. D. Thank you so much. All of the people that helped make this happen. We are very grateful to you. Thank you so much. Choose healthy. Choose you. Out comes the sun. Please go to MarielHemingwayFoundation.org. Help us create a resource navigator for people with mental health issues. We're coming up with solutions. Outcomes the Sun has been a production of Evolve Entertainment. Hosts, Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Executive producer, Jeremiah Higgins. Sound engineer and producer, Richard Dr. D. Dugan. And sound engineer, Slater Smith. Thank you for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 